Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Woodstock City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Woodstock City Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around Woodstock City Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we feeling? Okay, good. Yeah, Georgia won, guys. Cheer up. It's fine. Um, I knew it would happen. I'm really glad and excited to get to hang out with you all. Uh, today, my name is Matt. I know Ben mentioned that at the beginning. Uh, I get to lead TLR here at Woodstock City. And my wife and I, my family, we have been here for six years, uh, a little over six years. We absolutely love this place. We love this church, and our hope and our desire is that you would be able to do the exact same thing, that you would start to feel like this is not just something you do on Sundays or somewhere you attend, but this begins to feel like family. That really is our desire. And I'm really excited for the conversation we're going to have today because I believe that what we're going to talk about is something that matters greatly for you. I'm very, very excited for this conversation because I think it has a possibility to impact you in a really big way. It has a possibility to impact your spouse in a really big way. I think you're listening a little better now. You just nudged them in the side. I get it. They're paying attention. It has the ability to affect, uh, to affect your kids, everyone around you in a really big way because what I want us to talk about, what I want us to have a dialogue about is our conversation with God. Now, I think that that's something that all of us have a little bit of an exposure to. So here's what I want to start with. By show of hands, how many of you have ever prayed before? Show of hands. Funny how that's almost everybody. That's good. You put it down so fast, like, I don't do it. Leave it up. How about this one? Uh, How many of you have ever felt awkward while praying? Show of hands. (laughs) That's right. How many of you feel awkward right now? Raising your hand. Don't do that. Don't raise your hand. Now here's another one. How many of you pray when you pray with your eyes closed? Show of hands. Who closes their eyes? Because it's weird not to. Don't stare through me while you're praying to God. No. I love this part of prayer. It's our favorite part of prayer when it comes to my kids. I got five little kids. Uh, It's fine. I never sleep. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for me. Appreciate it. Uh, But at the dinner table is the best part whenever I get to see prayer, especially the whole like keep your eyes open part of prayer. You probably know where I'm going with this. Every single night before we, uh, before we eat dinner, we pray together as a family, and so we'll all hold hands, and even our little one-year-old Olsen, well, she'll hold hands with her brother and sister, and she'll kind of do this a little bit, like close her eyes. But then at the end of the prayer, it's always like waiting to see which kid is going to say, you had your eyes open? And I'm like, doesn't that mean you had your eyes open too? You know? We approach prayers that way as kids. That's most of the time how a lot of us probably experience prayer as a kid. It was around a dinner table in some kind of a setting. But really what we did in our, in our homes or we did growing up um, has most of the time for most of us probably morphed into what we do as adults. I mean, you just said it yourself. Most of us pray in the kind of way of bowing our heads and, and closing our eyes. And, and what we do, though, what's happened for most of us is our posture of prayer as adults matches that same posture of prayer as kids. We do this. We closed eyes and closed hands. We close our eyes and we, and we close our hands because for some reason this means God's listening more when I close my hands. I don't know why, but I've brought him further into my presence. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to talk about the posture of prayers. But really I want to talk about the posture of your prayers. I want to talk very specifically about the posture of your prayers. And that's the title of this message. If you want to write notes and, and take it down to see, uh, to go back to later. This conversation I want us to have around prayer really centers on the idea of your posture. Because for some of you, maybe prayer, if we can be honest, 
Maybe prayer is just a box that you check. It may just be something that's like a daily rhythm, or maybe for you it's not a rhythm, it's a chore, it's something you feel like you're supposed to do, or I have to do this because I was told to do this when I was a kid. Or maybe for you, prayer happens every single day around the dinner table whenever you eat, but you feel too awkward to pray because you ate before the prayer happened, and now you're like, am I going to be poisoned? Is this okay? What's happening? Is God going to ruin me because I did this? Have I ruined dinner? Oh, no. And out of that awkwardness, you don't ever pray at the dinner table. Someone else does. And so really, it's not your prayers, it's someone else praying for you. And maybe that's your approach to church. Maybe you show up here and we talk about prayer, but you're like, I'm not praying at church. The person on stage, well, that guy or that girl, they're a pastor. They're paid to do it. This is their job. Why would I not let them pray? I'll just ride shotgun to their prayers. For so many of you, though, maybe the reality of your prayer life and the idea of prayer for you is that you're just afraid to pray. Because the idea of praying means that you have to stop, and so many of us are afraid to stop. We're afraid to stop because we're afraid of silence, and the silence comes from that stopping. We can be honest, we're afraid of silence because in that silence we are exposed to both how close we are to God, and for so many of us, how far we have become from God. See, we all have a certain approach, a certain posture to prayer, that determines our experience of prayer. And so what I wanna do today for the next few minutes is I want to reframe your view on prayer. I wanna reframe your view on prayer, but ultimately that may mean that for some of you, we need to reframe our view of God. Because for many of you, your view of even God is something that needs a little bit of attention. Because the reality is that for a lot of us, we feel like God is someone who's far off. Or maybe for you, you view that God is someone who's distant. Or maybe he, you've never even encountered him. The idea of having an experience with him, that this didn't really draw him closer, I don't really know where he is. Because for many of us, maybe you have a knowledge of God. Maybe you're aware of that there is a deity, there is a being, there is a God. But he's someone so far outside of your senses that your logic and your reason doesn't allow you to equate that he's even real. For a lot of us, what that does is it takes our view of God and it says, well, he's so way up there because he's gotta be above that roof somewhere. He's so way up there, but I am so small, tiny, and so way down here. But you don't even have to believe in God. Whether you came in here this morning as a believer, you pray all the time, you've got journals that are filled out all the time with your prayers, or you've never prayed, you're here just trying to figure this out, you got doubts, you got questions, you're wondering what it's like to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're just curious, but what's true for all of us is whether you believe in God, you follow Jesus or anything, all of us know what it's like to pray. Because I would imagine that all of us have reached that point in life when we've just felt like, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to do but pray. I don't know what else to do right now. I'm at the end of this situation, the end of this season. I don't know what else to do but pray. But then the typical response, even in that moment, is that our view of God and his power, this person, this thing we're praying to is, again, he's so way up there and I'm so way down here. And so what we do is we treat him in his power, in his immeasurable superiority, which is true, that's what he has. But what we often do in our view of God, and the way it affects our view of prayer, is that we treat God like he's a genie in a lamp. I've heard some people say like he's a vending machine. But the idea of he's a genie in a lamp, you've all seen Aladdin, you know what I'm talking about. You grab the lamp, 
And then you rub on the lamp, and then all of a sudden this genie pops out, and it's the voice of Robin Williams, because that's the voice of God maybe. And then in that moment, he says, congratulations, you get three wishes. What do you want to wish for? And then there's all these stipulations. And we bring our petitions, we bring our requests to God, and we treat him like a genie in the lamp, because he's so powerful way up there, and I'm so small way down here. I need your power to do something for me, so would you grant my wishes? Would you grant my petitions? Would you grant my requests? And so we bring all of those things to him, hoping that maybe, just maybe, he'll answer them. But then the questions start to come into our mind whenever we pray. You've probably been there before where you're praying, you're asking God for something because you need him to show up. But then your mind immediately goes to, is he even listening? Like, I can't hear him, but is he even, is he even there? And if he is even there, can he even do what I need? Is this even possible? Because it seems impossible. I mean, how could it be that a God so big, so immeasurably superior, so way up there, would even want to hear my tiny little awkward, fumbled across, scared, terrified words of someone so way down here? This gap just seems so great. Without even knowing it, what happens for so many of us is that our posture of prayer starts to match what our prayers are actually doing. And so while we may actually pray with our eyes closed and our and closed hands, what happens is that our posture of prayer takes on that exact same thing physically. Because we start to pray with closed eyes. We start to pray with closed eyes. Not only do we physically close our eyes in prayer, but there's something spiritually about the way we're praying, the posture of our prayer, where we're closing our eyes to say, I can only see this working out my way. I can only see this situation happening, how I am seeing it right now. This is the only possible scenario. So I am seeing things my way when I pray with my eyes closed. But then what happens is your closed eyes are oftentimes so, so often matched with closed hands. And so my closed eyes and my closed hands have put me in this position to say, not only can I see things my way in prayer, but I'm holding on to things my way in prayer. How often do we pray, and we pray like this because we need it to happen in the way that we see it. I'm holding on to this thing from the past. I'm holding on to this expectation. I'm holding on to this scenario. And so we close our eyes and we, and we clench our fists and hope that maybe God would give us what we want. This is so often our approach to prayer, but, but even then, even when we pray like that, sometimes I'm not even totally confident that he can do it. Or maybe I'm not confident that he can do it. Maybe I'm not even sure that he will. What if my request was too big? What if it didn't make sense? What if I said the wrong words? What if I put them in the wrong order? Where was the thy supposed to go when I talked about him? Was I supposed to ask for forgiveness before I made a request? We get so confused in the order and in the process. Did I even say it right? And then if, if I did say it right, and if he did listen, what if he does answer my prayer, but he doesn't answer it how I want him to answer it? I don't want that. No, I want what I want when I want it. Guys, come on, that's all of us. I want what I want when I want it. And if you're anything like me, I don't wanna be patient in my getting what I want. No, I want it quickly. So Jesus, you need to answer what's going on and you need to do it now. And this posture of prayer, this closed eyes, closed hands, posture of prayer, it always then develops and turns into a third thing. 
that, that, that affects our posture when it comes to prayer because our closed eyes and our closed hearts before long turn into, our closed hands turn into a closed heart. And it moves from not just seeing my way and holding on to things my way, but with a closed heart, now I am only wanting things my way. I'm coming to God with my petitions, with my requests. I'm trying to say it right. I'm trying to have enough faith, but a closed eyes, closed hands, closed heart posture of prayer is just a prayer that's me trying to change God. Like whatever he's doing, if he's doing anything at all, it isn't what I would choose, it isn't what I would want, and it's not happening as fast as I need. It isn't how I would like it. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask him in my prayers to change. That, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, that's really what I want, is I need him to change. I need him to change something in my life. I need him to change something of the situations I'm in. God, I am coming to you in my prayer because I need you to change this diagnosis. I was not looking for it, it came out of nowhere and it has rocked my world. I need you to change this diagnosis. I need you to change this situation. I need you to change this person. Or for the love, if you would just change that other parent at the ball field, then my entire life would be better. And if you don't have kids at a ball field, you win. Just kidding, that's not all of them. But sometimes the other team's parents, you know what I'm talking about. Pull it closer to home. Maybe you don't have kids in that season. I just need you to change this neighbor, this person who is so disrupting my well-being. Maybe it's not a neighbor. Maybe it's something closer that you wish was further. Maybe it's an in-law. Why do we even have them? I'm just kidding. Kelly and Mark, I love you. You're the greatest. Wouldn't ask for another one. But all these situations that aren't what we would want, this person's opinion of me, that this person would like me, that this person would like me back. What we're saying is, God, I don't like this. So miracle maker, way maker, all the words we sing in songs, genie in my lamp, I can't take this anymore. So if you are really true, I need you to come through, please. See, whether you believe in God or not, you know that point of desperation when you're like, I don't know what else to do. And so the problem with that type of prayer and the posture of that prayer is the only thing that's happening in that prayer is that that is me making a monologue to God. That's me talking a lot. Because what happens in those prayers is I talk and then I talk and then I'm gonna talk some more and then I might wait just so I can catch my breath but then I'm probably gonna say something else. And before long, I'm gonna maybe feel like it's not going how I want and then I turn into a teenager like I was at 13 when my mom told me that I couldn't have something and I didn't wanna hear her answer, so I just kept talking over her. Let me tell you something, that didn't go well. If you're a teenager in here, don't do that because my dad chased me up the steps. But I didn't wanna hear it. So whenever we don't hear whatever we want, our default response is to cover it up because I can't, uh -uh, I can't take it. And so we just do this, la, 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 I, I, can't, I can't do it. Because I needed something to happen my way. And so I'm sitting here praying to God, but all it really is is a monologue to God of me just talking to him. But that's not what prayer is meant to be. Yes, prayer is meant to be your petitions, your requests, the things going on in your life of you giving those and having a conversation with God. But at the end of the day, it's a conversation with God. Because prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. 
a dialogue. That means I speak, then he speaks. I speak, then he speaks. But the problem with I speak and then he speak, the problem with the dialogue is that you have to wait for him to speak. But by the time that he can even respond, I'm done praying and I'm out the door because I got so many other things to do. I got so many places to be and I'm too afraid of the silence and I'm too afraid of the stopping and I'm too afraid that he's not gonna do what I want. I'm off the next thing and I never even hear him. We just keep talking and bringing him our petitions. But then we don't stay long enough to actually hear his reply. Prayer is not a monologue to God. It's a dialogue with God. It's a conversation. And so what Jesus does is he teaches us this. He teaches us how to have this conversation. And then we see in the person of Jesus that he models it. If you want to know how to pray, Jesus actually teaches us. In Matthew chapter 6, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to take a guess that a lot of you know the Lord's Prayer. I bet right now we're going we're gonna to have a little crowd participation. I'm very curious to see how this goes. I'm going to start it, and then I want you to say it with me. And I want to see how many of us know this by memory, this Lord's Prayer. It starts with this. Our Father, y'all say it with me, who art in heaven. Okay, stop. You, you use thy. You learn well in Sunday school. Let's, let's calm down. We don't ever use that anymore. But we know it. You can keep going. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can get to the very end of it. We know it by memory, even if you've never even said it since you were a kid, in a huddle, on a playing field, or, or someone taught you it in school. We know this, so many of us know this prayer. But even though we know this prayer by memory, what's true for many of us is that it's probably rare that we actually realize what Jesus is actually saying in the prayer. Because in this prayer, in Matthew chapter six, not only is he showing us how to pray, but he is reframing our view of God. How does he start the prayer? What are the first things he says? How does he address God? It's not, oh, genie in my lamp, or something that he is deserving of, or so, oh, great, magnificent, immeasurably superior person way up there. I know I'm so far down here, but maybe if you'll, if you'll just listen. No, he doesn't say any of those things. Jesus starts the prayer that he teaches us how to pray with our Father. Our Father. Louis Giglio says that this is the beginning of a personal interaction, not an ATM transaction. This is a personal interaction. You see the relationship that exists here because Jesus says, our Father. But the key is that he doesn't say it's his Father. He says, our Father. It's an invitation for you to have an experience, a relational encounter, an experience, a personal interaction with the creator of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, your creator, your heavenly father. This is the relationship that Jesus makes available for you and for me and for all of us. Now, in this moment, the moment you even see the word father, there are probably a lot of you in the room that this is triggering. Because the idea of thinking of God as a father or praying to God as a father is triggering because you've had a moment of pain probably in your past or something happened in your experience with your father that might make you hesitant to this idea. But if that's you, first I wanna say I'm so sorry. Because if that is affecting your view of God and who he is, Jesus is sitting here trying to communicate something different about who God is and you might need a reframing. But I would say that if you've had that experience, you've had that moment, you are set up to understand the proper view of God because of your context. 
Because if all you've ever seen is a not good father, then you have the context of what a good father would do. Because Jesus is saying, you are a good heavenly father, my father, our father. This is what Jesus calls him and it's what he invites you to see him as because you would be able to see what a good father would do. A good father would listen. Maybe yours never did, but a good father would. A good father would listen. A good father would come close. A good father would give attention. A good father would care. A good father would love. And a good father would love to simply be with his child. You may not have encountered that or experienced that in life, but that is the relationship that Jesus is setting up because of his view of God and his goodness. And there are, I think, a lot of us that, that have the wrong view, the wrong framing of our view of God, and it affects our prayers because how many of you pray before you go to bed? For, for you, that's the time of your day when you pray. You pray before you go to bed. Y'all are brilliant because something happens whenever you pray before you go to bed. You're tired, uh-huh. And I remember I used to pray before I'd go to bed, and then I'd wake up and be like, amen. Oh, no, I didn't. I fell asleep while I was praying. That didn't count. I gotta start over. Do I have to wait till tonight now? Like, we think we did it wrong because we're coming back to that view of I gotta say the right things, I gotta say them in the right order. If I don't say amen, it's never finished and I'm not gonna get what I want. And I'm afraid then in that moment that I've messed up or that I've approached it wrong, but there's this view I have of God as a father that's completely different. It reshapes the way you view him. I have five little kids. If I am at the end of the night tucking my kids in and they're in my arms and they're telling me about their day, they're telling me the stories of what made them mad, what made them sad, what made them glad, all of the things that occurred in their day. And in the middle of their talking, while they're tucked in and their dad is holding them, if they fall asleep in that moment, I'm not gonna be like, wake up, kid. That was a cliffhanger and I don't like him. Finish your story. No. No, I'm gonna delight in that moment because my child feels so safe so secure, so confident, and so comfortable in the presence of their father that they can rest. See, that's the, that's the intimacy of the relationship that Jesus is inviting us into with prayer. But one of the best parts about this idea about prayer is that not only at the very beginning of this prayer does he reframe our view of God, he also reframes our view of prayer. Because a few lines later, what does he say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. See, when I'm closed eyes, closed hands, closed heart in prayer with my posture, then what I'm really doing is having a monologue to God saying, I want what I want to be done. But Jesus does the opposite. He reframes the posture. He says, not what I want to be done, but your will be done. This means not what I want in those moments, but God, what you want in those moments. This means that I trust you. This means that you are good even when my circumstances aren't and it may feel like you're not there. I'm able to realize that God's circumstance, my circumstances don't affect God's goodness, but God's goodness affects my circumstances. It's a different posture of prayer from me focused to God focused. And then what Jesus does is he doesn't just teach us this, he lives this out himself. See, Jesus, when he was about 30 years old, stepped into ministry and started, started stepping into the pages of history. And we see all the incredible things he did with his friends. But near the end of that run of those around three years, there was one night when he knew what was coming. 
It was building to be too much. There was too much tension between all the forces around him and outside of him. And, and he, his purpose of why he was here was about to happen. And so we see the Last Supper happen. Many of us have heard that language where Jesus gathers all of his closest friends around his disciples. They have dinner. He says, one of you is gonna betray me. And they're all freaking out like, who does it mean? But Judas knew it was him. And then after the dinner is done, they start to disperse. And then Jesus carries so much weight of knowing that now the end is near. Then he gathers his closest friends and they go to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the garden, Jesus comes to this spot that they'd probably been to before. It's a garden filled with olive trees and he would have been there with his friends and he knew it. And in this spot, in this moment, he needed to pray. He needed God to show up in a certain way because of what he was feeling. So he asked his friends, y'all stay over there a few yards. I'm gonna go off by myself in the silence. I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna approach God because I know what is about to occur. I know that I'm about to be arrested and betrayed. I know that what that means is that I've gotta actually go through with this idea of giving up my life for humanity. I'm going to be what is gonna feel like be abandoned from God and there's gonna be so much physical pain and so much torture, so much mental pain, so much emotional pain that this is something I don't know what to do with. And in that moment, he's like, I, I have nothing else to do but to pray. I need to ask God. I need to have a conversation with God. And so he goes with all this weight, all this anxiety into the garden to pray. And in Matthew chapter 26, we see this prayer. We see his posture of prayer, not just teaching it to us, but modeling it for us. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 26. It says, going a little farther, while his friends were tucked away a few yards back, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, an intimate relationship, a personal interaction. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. In other words, I need you to do what I want because I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through with this. I've got so much anxiety. I've got so much weight. This is so forbearing. This is awful. It's the worst. I've just been betrayed. I feel so alone. My friends who are my closest people are asleep a few yards away. I feel all alone. I need you to show up because I can't do this. It's a me-focused prayer. But Jesus changes his posture with three letters, with one word, changes everything. God, if possible, take this cup from me, yet, yet. This is what I want, yet. In spite of all these things, yet, not as I will but as you will. Not as I will, but as you will. This is what I want. I need you to show up. However, superseding all of those wants, what I need even more than my way is your way. Your will be done. See, Jesus makes his petitions to God for God to show up. He makes his request known to God, but he shows us a different posture in this moment. Because in this moment, he reframes prayer to show us that prayer is far more about my posture than my petitions. Prayer is far more about my posture than my petitions. It's far more about your approach to God than the words that you are even trying to say. And if you know the story, Jesus wouldn't have his prayer answered how he wanted. It wouldn't go his way in that moment God's response to him would feel like silence, 
would feel like he was forsaken, would feel like he was absent. But the posture of Jesus' prayer didn't stop the moment he stopped talking. Because we see that he begins this dialogue with God that would continue up all the way to the cross. And then while he's hanging on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, perfect and blameless and innocent, up there dying a criminal's death on a cross. And up to his last final breath, he's still having dialogue with God. His final words are spoken to his father. Because in his prayer, he didn't pray with closed eyes and closed hands and a closed heart towards God. Even though he had so much anxiety that it says he was sweating drops of blood. Even though he should have been in a hospital, this man was unwell. Even though things are not going right. Even though his pain wasn't alleviated. Even though the diagnosis didn't change. Even though the future was still going to happen exactly as he didn't want it to happen. He chose a different posture. Not of closed eyes, not of closed hands, not of a closed heart, but of the opposite. Of open eyes. Jesus opened his eyes, not just to see things his way, but to see things God's way. This may not be what I would choose, and yet I can see that you're doing something because I trust you. So I'm gonna open my eyes to see what you wanna do. And then when I open my eyes, I'm gonna follow that up by opening my hands and saying, no longer do I have to just hold on to the things that I want. But when I open my hands, I'm able to receive what you may want, God. Because if you try to give me something and my hands are closed, I can't hold it. But the moment I do this, I'm able to receive it. So he opens his eyes and then he opens his hands and then he follows all that up by opening up his heart and saying, this isn't just what I want, but what you want. Not my will, but your will be done. That is the posture of prayer that Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter six. That is the posture of prayer that he practices in Gethsemane. That is the posture of prayer that matters far more than your petitions in prayer. And so what you are all invited into, every one of you, whether you have a relationship with Jesus or not, whether you have that intimate personal reaction or not, you are invited into a dialogue with God, a conversation with him, your good and heavenly father, just like Jesus did, a conversation that allows you to open your eyes and to open your hands and to open your heart not so that you can change God, but so that God can change you. And then you let him have his will happen in your life. So there are a few groups of people I'd love to encourage around this idea of prayer and the posture you have. First group I wanna encourage are those of you who, who you're not even sure where to start. You don't even know what to say to him. I just want you to know that's okay. But I want you to think about it this way. I got five little kids, so I see this all the time. And I've got a one-year-old who like speaks half God and half English. Like it's kind of there and it's super cute. And every word she says, I lean in. A parent never gets frustrated whenever a child is learning how to talk. They start saying their first few words and you are delighted. You can't wait. You pull out your phone. I got to record this. I don't even know what they're saying. I'd forget it though if I didn't record it. And I want to remember it because it's so sweet and so great and so good. And you are growing and I love you. And I'm delighted in the fact that you are trying your best. And so a father's approach to a child when they learn how to talk is the exact same of God's approach to you when you learn how to pray. He's not angry at you. He's not disappointed in you. You haven't let him down. He's not mad at you. He is delighted in you that you are approaching him and he can't wait to talk to you. 
The second group of people are for those of you who just feel like your relationship with God has just been off. Your prayer life hasn't been what it once was or what you'd like it to be. It just feels off and it's not where you want it to be. I want you to think about your posture. When your physical posture is off, it affects every part of your body. How do you know that, Matt? Because I'm 36 and my hips hurt. Why do my hips hurt? I don't know, because I'm 36. Because there's something about my posture that sometimes gets off. But whenever your physical posture is off, all it takes is a slight adjustment for everything else to start working. And it's the exact same thing with your prayer life. It might just take a slight adjustment for everything to get back in line. And so here are three quick ways that you can change your posture physically that might allow you to open up your posture spiritually when it comes to prayer. First thing you can do is eyes open. Open up your eyes. The next time you pray, pray with your eyes open. Allow your body to get in line with your spirit and physically open your eyes as a reminder to the reality that I don't just wanna see things my way, I wanna see things his way. And so you have your eyes open. The next thing you do is you have your hands open. So instead of this, turn it to this and open up your hands the next time you pray and watch what happens when your physical posture starts to determine something and to affect your spiritual posture of being able to receive what God may want to give towards you. See, this is what Jesus teaches us to do. It's what he models for us himself in his deepest moment of desperation. And see, that's the place that so many of us, so many of you find yourself is when that pain is too much and the suffering is too great and the circumstances are too off, we desperately need help in that moment. And so I've got my eyes open. And in that moment, I've got my hands open. And there's one last thing that you can do to mirror the relationship of a child and a father. See, I got five little kids. <laughs> I see them do this all the time. Every one of them have done this. They're 10, eight, six, four, and two. I told you I'd never sleep. And every one of my kids have done the exact same thing without ever, having be, ever, ever needing to be taught what to do. I see this happen with my one-year-old every single day. Olson barely understands, that's her name, she barely understands how to talk. And yet there is a universal sign that all children have that they do by default. No one teaches them, they just do this. That when they need me and when they want me, what's the, physical, what's the universal physical posture of Hold me. Arms up. And what would happen in the moments when I just need God to hold me? I just need him to help me. I'm at the end of my rope. I can't go anymore. This diagnosis is too great. This anxiety is too much. What you do is you follow that physical posture. You say, I'm gonna open my eyes, I'm gonna try my best, I'm gonna open my hands, I'm gonna to try to receive it, but maybe the last thing you need to do is just to realize that whenever you go arms up, God's got you. When I lift up my arms, I realize that that cloud isn't as dark as I thought it was. And that wave may seem like it is absolutely impossible and it's gonna take me out, but when I'm on his shoulders, it's not so much. And that mountaintop may seem like it's so high, but when my arms are up and I'm being held by my father, I realize that even if it doesn't feel good, it doesn't mean that he's not good. Because the worst is never the worst when I'm in my father's arms. 
So for those of you who have never prayed before, it may seem weird. It may seem awkward. It might be scary. You may not know what to say. You may not know what to do. But like a good father, God is not going to be frustrated with you. He's not going to be impatient with you as you learn how to pray to him, as you learn how to have a dialogue with him, with eyes open and hands open and arms up. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are constantly inviting us into more. Thank you that you're constantly inviting us into a relationship with our heavenly father and that you're showing us the way that we don't have to have all the right words. We don't have to say anything at all. It can simply be that we just come into your presence and you find delight in the fact that we're with you. So for the person in here this morning who needs to reframe their view of you and understand that you love them, that you wanna be with them, that you wanna be near them, God, I ask that you would make yourself so overwhelmingly present beside them that they wouldn't be able to avoid your presence. And for the person in here who just feels like it's too much, it's just too great, The relationship is too far gone. The mistakes have mounted up to be too heavy. The situation's too daunting. Father, I pray that you would give them the courage to just lift their arms up and just say, I need you. I need you, but not so that you can do what I want, but so you can teach me to want what you want. So Jesus, have your way in us. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in our future. And I pray that as we approach you in those moments of saying that, that you would meet our faith with your favor and that we would find you. So thank you. Thank you for loving us first. We love you right back. It's in Jesus' name.